Hi guys. <laughs> I thought I'd do my YouTube greeting, my standard YouTube greeting. <laughs> but welcome to Objective Health. I am your faceless host, Tiffany, and joining me in our studio, we have Doug, Erica, and Elliot. Hello. Hello. And as always, on the wheels of steel, we have our favorite engineer, Damien. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, so I guess an ode to YouTube and all of its greatness. Aside from that standard, hey guys, greeting. I guess we can jump right in and talk about how our humble little channel, Objective Health, we've already had two videos that were banned from YouTube. The first one was our show on the flu. I think it was called, Where Did the Flu Go? Mm -hmm. Where we were talking about all the miraculous disappearance of the cases of flu all over the world. So that was banned from YouTube. And our most recent banning was our video that we did on the biosecurity state. And that one was banned or taken down in less than an hour of posting it. So we have high hopes for today's show. <laughs> <laughs> Because we're going to be talking about vaccine shenanigans. And, and unless, <laughs> yeah. And unless you've been living under a rock, you should know that the COVID vaccine, most notably the one by Pfizer, BioNTech, <laughs> has been approved for emergency use. They're already given it over in the UK and they plan to start giving it in the US probably within the next few days or so. So in the run up to all this vaccine nonsense, um, the mainstream media has been very busy trying to run damage control, seeing as how there have been some mishaps, to put it lightly, in the, the Pfizer trials. But I guess today we can talk about, start talking about um, something that I've never seen before and I've been looking at vaccination and research and health stuff, just like you guys for several, several years. I have never heard of a vaccine maker suing a volunteer in one of their trials for defamation. <laughs> nope. It's a year oh. first. <laughs> yeah, the most bizarre thing I've ever heard. Like here, yay, you signed up for our trial and you're gonna, be a guinea pig for our vaccine and whoops you got sick oh shut up don't say anything you're <laughs> defaming us that's pretty much how it went yeah so the serum institute of india has sued one of the uh, vaccine COVID 19 vaccine trial participants uh he said the trial caused him serious side effects and the firm totally rejected his claim, saying he's defaming them. Um, they're saying he's being malicious and that his illness had nothing to do with the vaccine trials. Mm. What do you guys think? I think it's pretty hard to believe that it had nothing to do with the vaccine. <laughs> he just yeah. spontaneously had this very strange illness where he couldn't get out of bed anymore, couldn't go to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he developed all kinds of really odd neurological type symptoms um he had like a refractory severe b12 and vitamin d deficiency which appears to be the case in people who do 
respond in these ways to say if they have some kind of a toxic chemical acute exposure, they have some kind of an acute infection. Two of the things that you might see or with a drug reaction, and I've seen it on a couple of occasions, is when someone develops severe either folate, B12, vitamin D deficiency. And so that is indicative of like a very acute inflammatory response. Now, this guy has been, uh, he's consulted with neurologists elsewhere, and they've confirmed that he has had um, neurological or brain inflammation. He has got some kind of a brain illness, right? So it's not just in his head. Acute neural encephalopathy Mm -hmm. is what they diagnosed him as. So it's not like he's just saying all this on his own. <laughs> and that just happens randomly, not not coincidence, or it, it is just a random coincidence, let's say, that that happens 10 days after receiving the vaccine? Yeah. Hmm. Correct. Yeah. Especially since that's already been listed as a possible side effect of one of the vaccines. I don't know if it's the one that he got, but they were saying like that particular condition, they, they were talking about how there was, we've talked about it on the show before, um, there was a, a study participant who ended up getting that. What's it called again? Encephalopathy? Yeah, encephalopathy. encephalopathy. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not like it's without precedent. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so this guy is going to have a hard road of healing ahead of him. So I wish him all the best. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I just never heard of anybody being sued by a vaccine manufacturer for defamation for participating in one of their trials and getting sick. So Mm. I guess we can move on to another, um, I guess you can say it's kind of a mild warning. It seems kind of silly on the face of it when you look at it, but there was an article that came out on the New York Post where Russian authorities are warning people not to drink alcohol for two months after getting the country's COVID-19 vaccine. So I guess it's kind of funny, like, haha, everybody knows that Russians tend to drink quite a bit. So they say that's one of the stereotypes of Russian people. So they're saying don't drink two months after you get your COVID-19 vaccine because it's a strain on the body. And if we want to stay healthy and have a strong immune response, don't drink alcohol is what one of the the consumer safety watchdog ladies said. But the reason I brought this article to you guys' attention is because when all this COVID-19 stuff broke out and you know, people were afraid and they were talking about, oh, yeah, we're going to have a vaccine coming. The vaccine is the only hope. Never was there any like real discussion in the mainstream news, at least, about how to strengthen your immune system in order to prevent yourself from getting ill. Now, all of a sudden, you want to make sure your, your immune system is nice and healthy after the vaccination. It doesn't make any sense. If you're immune, if you want it to be healthy before this, you strengthen your immune system. But now all of a sudden your immune system is getting, you know, a lot of attention after the vaccine comes out. It's just hypocritical. Indeed. I think it's interesting too, that all these um, reports are coming out about 90% effectiveness. Like they were Uh saying, Russian health officials say Sputnik 
vaccine is is over 90%. I find it interesting that they keep using this 90%, 95%, but they really leave out like that little percentage that <laughs> us here question a lot, right? Like, uh, and I wonder if they're doing that to try and protect themselves in the long run. Like, well, we only told you it was 90% effective. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, I mean, I just, I just think it's like all the different media that's coming out about I, I i find it interesting that they keep using this percentage as, well 90 as, or 95 percent effective is high enough that people will have confidence that it actually is effective but not so high that people are like yeah right whatever nothing is a hundred percent effective maybe that's why they do it yeah. yeah and it does kind of cover their butts like you're saying erica mm-hmm. it's kind of like oh you just fell in that 10 percent that it wasn't effective for I mean, they don't even define what effective really means in these cases anyway. It's kind of like, you know, what does that actually mean that it's 90? That means that 90% of people who get it will never catch the COVID? Or does it mean that you'll be 90% more likely to not catch it? Or does it mean that in nine times out of 10, if you come into contact with it, it'll be effective, but the other one time out of 10, it won't be effective? Or is it that that nine times out of ten someone will develop protective antibodies? That's I think that's one of the ways that how they measure it, right? Right. But that's not to say that. I mean, this is the primary reason why the flu vaccine is said officially said not to work in the large majority of cases because viruses mutate, right? <laughs> then you. you know, it, it makes no sense. They 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 make a, vi- a vaccine for a virus, and it takes years in trials, and then all of a sudden, you know, how can you be sure that the virus that you were studying eight, eighteen months ago is even the same virus now, mm-hmm. right? It it it's so uh, even if someone has protective antibodies, doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to get a version of the coronavirus. I mean, there's lots of versions of the coronavirus, right? Might not be the exact same COVID-19 that they've been studying, it can mutate pretty easily, right? Especially as it makes its way round through different people, it will find kind of strategies to change. So, uh, yeah. I mean, even using their own logic, it's uh, protective antibodies doesn't necessarily mean anything. Yeah. No, because people have gotten ill even with high amounts of antibodies in their system. And funnily enough, like if you take a covid uh, vaccine and you produce a bunch of antibodies, that's supposed to be something that's protective against whatever, against the uh, COVID-19 virus or any other virus when they're looking at antibodies, except for when it comes to AIDS. Like if you have antibodies against HIV, then that means that you're, I mean, if you have antibodies, when you take the HIV test, then that means that you are infected. Right. So why is it antibodies for one means you have it and antibodies for the other means that you're protected that doesn't make any sense to me (laughs) no no interesting in relation to covid though i was reading a paper the other day in this uh the author was citing evidence showing that uh the the basically the the antibodies which they're they're meant to be inducing or or producing with this vaccine so it's, it's spike protein antibodies Basically, uh, there was I was reading a paper the other day, and the author was citing some some evidence showing that people who had these antibodies, this was outside of the context of the vaccine, 
the people who had these antibodies actually fared significantly worse in terms of prognosis. Yeah, yeah. So they were the people who got severe respiratory distress and in many cases died, right? It was the people who had higher levels of, of, of antibodies. So it's not just as simple as you get antibodies and, uh, you know, and you're safe. I mean, there was, there was evidence showing there's the, the, the animal research, which we've spoken about on several occasions. Uh, it was done in, in monkeys when they, when they gave them the vaccines and they developed antibodies against this virus. When they came in contact with it, um, like a re-exposure, secondary re-exposure, um, it, it triggered acute, severe uh, respiratory inflammation and most of them died. So, well, similar to that, there are some that will argue that antibodies do not infer protection at all. Antibodies are a sign that you are damaged in some way or you've been or you've taken in a toxic toxin and that is your body's way of trying to fight it off. So it doesn't mean that you're protected per se. It's just an indication of some kind of. Yeah, exposure or damage to your system. Mm-hmm. And it seems like now, just from the cursory reading, they're coming out that they're not even claiming that it's the vaccine's going to protect against COVID-19 in and of itself. It's more like the symptoms associated with it. So really, mm-hmm. it's not even doing what they're claiming it's going to do. No, yeah. and yet they still try to tell you that it's better than that, that developing natural immunity. You know, that coming into contact with the virus and building your own immune system in response to that is somehow inferior to getting the vaccine and developing this kind of artificial immunity, which may or may not be effective, may actually be harmful. Mm -hmm. Well, since I'm seeing these Bell's palsies pictures here, we might as well (laughs) speak about how four people uh, in the Pfizer trial came down with Bell's palsy Mm -hmm. and Bell's palsy is also known as idiopathic facial palsy it's no it's thought to be temporary like people typically get over it in a few days but it's a temporary facial paralysis or weakness on one side of the face and it's caused by a a dysfunction in cranial nerve eight so one side of your face, I guess if you get put the pictures back up, you see how one side of their face seems like it's stretched up and the other side is drooping down. Mm. So is that worse than getting the sniffles? <laughs> is that worse than testing positive for COVID and you absolutely have no symptoms whatsoever? Or some people say they felt like they had kind of a cold or some people said they didn't notice anything at all. You want your face to look like that? Yeah. And it's more what that what that indicates as well, right? So mm-hmm. oftentimes in, in Bell's palsy, it's it's because of edema or inflammation, which is kind of causing swelling or an impingement on the nerve, right? So they lose they 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 lose like temporary control of of, of the of the facial system of the muscles, right? Mm-hmm. But ultimately that indicates that there's that there's a that there's at least a focal inflammatory response, but potentially a uh, systemic inflammatory response, and that's not surprising, right? If we look at what is in these vaccines, I mean, there's not. We've spoken previously many times about the 
adjuvants. So mercury, aluminium, thimerosal, formaldehyde, all of these things which have classically or traditionally been known as as some of the key drivers of vaccine-related injury. Now, with this type of vaccine, it's a it's a very different design. So so it's it's not the typical type of vaccine where um, where it would require a, a metal adjuvant. Actually, what it's basically uh, mRNA strands of mRNA which are encapsulated in these fatty particles, actually nanoparticles. So the vaccine formulation is referred to as uh, lipid, what is it, lipid lipid nanoparticle mm-hmm. formulation or emulsion or something like that, right? And so what they do, they don't, reco- they don't add metals to it, but as, as a way to, for, for the immune system, because you need to get this vaccine formulation inside cells so the mRNA can be basically translated into proteins. So you're giving your cells the raw material to make proteins. Now, to get it into cells, you need to evade the immune system. So you need to basically provide it with like a stealth mechanism. And the way that they do that is they use something called polyethylene glycol, right? otherwise known as antifreeze. But this is in very, very, very small quantities. Now, ordinarily, they would say that that makes it much safer because adjuvants can be known to cause or to trigger very severe reactions in certain people. But with polyethylene glycol, it seems as though there are some very severe anaphylactic uh, reactions that can occur. It can kill people when you give them polyethylene glycol directly into the blood. Um, and, and there have been multiple different kind of concerns uh, in the literature. So various scientists and doctors who have pointed out that using polyethylene glycol poses many threats in and of itself because what it does have the capability to do in some people is to basically trigger uh, a very severe systemic immune or inflammatory reaction. And one of the ways it's doing that is it's acting on a system. Not only is it kind of increasing a bunch of the inflammatory chemicals, which are ordinarily present in the immune system, but it's, it can activate a certain branch of the immune system or a, t- a kind of set of cells in the immune system, which is called the complement system, right? And so that can kind of trigger... Uh, neuroinflammatory processes. It can trigger long-term autoimmunity. It can trigger tissue destruction and tissue inflammation. And it's interesting because I had a look at Bell's palsy and it seems as though the branches of the complement, the type of complement cells, C3, C5, which are elevated by polyethylene glycol, which can be elevated by this this chemical, um, it's been shown in Bell's palsy that the the level of these complement cells are significantly higher than the average person. So in Bell's palsy, they found very high levels of C3, for instance, and polyethylene glycol directly activates C3. So it's, it's, it's like, I don't know if that's much of a coincidence. And that my concern as well is, yeah, Bell's palsy it might only be temporary, but actually when you've got this kind of uh, this immune response, we don't know what that's doing in three months, in four months, in two years time. Yeah. And actually when you have this, it has been implicated in long-term autoimmunity, in neurodegenerative diseases, and in all of these other kinds of things. And this kind of highlights one of the problems with the studies that they do, because they only follow, follow people up for seven days or a month or two months. They're not looking at long-term health outcomes and long-term chronic disease which even if these people do develop, if it's two years down the line, they're likely not going to associate it with a vaccine. Yeah. 
And the thing is about Bell's palsy, it's not always temporary. We had a prime minister in Canada, uh, Jean Chrétien, and he had permanent uh, kind of facial paralysis from Bell's palsy that he had, I think when he was a kid. And I've actually had it before, Bell's palsy. Hmm. Me and some buddies were drinking uh, polyethylene glycol one time at a party. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I don't know how I got it. Um, It was years and years and years ago, so I don't remember what was going on. It wasn't from a vaccine, but, and it's, it's it's a strange thing to have, just personal experience you don't want it well pfizer says that pfizer uh, (laughs) that these cases of bell's palsy there's no way that they can say for sure that there was a causal relationship between participating in this trial and actually developing bell's palsy and that the four people that got it that was in the trial the it's consistent with the number of Bell's palsy cases that are within the greater population of the United States, at least. So that's their explanation. Nothing to see here, folks. Just look away. Well, that's kind of similar. Maybe it's a good segue into the, uh, the article, how CNN said, don't be alarmed if people start dying after taking the vaccine. Yeah. It's kind of like the same sort of argument, you know, people die all the time. So just because they died right after they got the vaccine doesn't mean that it had anything to do with the vaccine. So don't freak out. They were going to die well, anyway. It's also hypocritical to say that because numerous people have been saying when COVID first came out and all these people in nursing homes were allegedly dying of COVID, we were saying that these people are in nursing homes. They have pre-existing conditions. They're at death's door. In a lot of cases, they have Alzheimer's, they have heart disease, they're diabetic, they have all these medical issues going on. They're old, they're in nursing homes. We expect people to die when they're in nursing homes. But when we said it, when COVID first came out and they said they were dying of COVID, oh no, no, that's that's not true. Hmm. You know, this is a real scourge just sweeping through the nursing homes. But now, once the COVID vaccine is about to be rolled out, yeah, they're just old. They're about to die anyway. So don't be surprised if they die. <laughs> so ironic, right? Yeah. And they're going to be the first ones to get it, the elderly. So it's just a, it's like experimentation in action. And don't wow. be afraid. You know, we're, we're going to watch the elderly take the hit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they're always... Gonna- they- Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was just going to say that that these guys are probably all going to get listed as COVID deaths anyway, so. Yeah. They may actually be dying of COVID this time, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) More likely. Well, it's always been my contention that COVID was the vaccine, not the actual something natural floating around infecting people. COVID is going to be the vaccine, in my opinion. Mm. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't have high hopes. I mean, this is a new vaccine type that they're putting out and vaccines by history have not been proven safe or effective. So I don't know, this one will be a whole different ball game, but they have the entire world to use as guinea pigs and to Mm -hmm. monitor and they will see what happens. We're all gonna get a DNA upgrade. Yeah. Well, there there have already been some people who've who've died, who've died from this, right? Yeah. Now, 
the official number last time I checked, it was six, but then they came out and said, well, four of those people who died had received the placebo, Mm -hmm. right? I didn't see what the placebo contained. Now they said it was just salt and water. I'm wondering because in the past, the placebo has sometimes, you know, in some of the, the, the other vaccine trials that what they've used as placebo has been aluminium phosphate, right. Or, thimerosal or some something like that so it's technically not a placebo whatsoever um well in some cases it's been the meningitis vaccine i think the guy that was that died in brazil yeah i think we covered that in his placebo was the meningitis vaccine it wasn't saline Hmm. so they never test against an inert substance as a placebo that's a trick that they've learned a long time ago if they if you don't if you make the placebo um, something that's basically the same thing, <laughs> then uh, equally numbers, toxic. You, you go, oh, look how much more effective it was than the placebo, and like, look how the same number of people died in the placebo group as in the uh, active ingredient group. So, yeah, no, it's no problem here. <laughs> it's genius, isn't it? It's really genius. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, there's been sex so far um and i'd say that that's probably reported we know that there's inherent flaws with vaccine injury reporting right and that is applied across the board with any kind of vaccine injury now you would think that they might be a little bit more stringent with regard to the 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 trials um of this vaccine because there's so much publicity around it but because I, i would imagine they've probably got some some i don't know something in place that um, that is making it hard for people to report vaccine injuries, even if they do get it right. Mm. I would imagine that they've, tr- you know, at least taken some precautions in that regard because uh, there's very, you know, strong potential that this could be evoking a lot of different reactions in different people. Um, but either way, there's definitely been some deaths, and they say that because it's such a small number, um, there's no identifiable link to the vaccines. But we know not to trust them. So, yeah. Yep. Well, I think that it seems like they're, of course, they are rushing this vaccine out. Um, But it seems like they want to hurry up and do it as quickly as possible. So no one has time to object once they start noticing all these people getting ill Mm -hmm. around them. And they, of course, want to blame all this illness on COVID or that COVID uh, mutated or it's because we got together for Thanksgiving or because we got together (laughs) for Christmas and made things worse. It's because you're not wearing your mask, right? Yeah. People aren't locking down hard enough. So, yeah, all these people that are dying now, it's because of that. It's not because of the vaccine. Hmm. But they're already warning people, pregnant women, to not take the Pfizer vaccine. Um, not only pregnant women, but women who are planning to become pregnant within three months of getting the vaccination. Because, surprise, surprise, there is no data on the safety for pregnant women or uh, women who are planning to become pregnant. So, okay, right. So that's kind of good, right? I I have no objection to that, to them saying for pregnant women not to do that. But how... 
But basically what they're doing there is they are prioritizing. They're kind of, uh, what's the word? Oh, prioritizing is not the word, but basically they're, they're, they're saying that this is this should not be uh, taken by women who are pregnant, right? What about all of the people with chronic long-term, long-term diseases, right? So diabetes, metabolic syndrome, cardiovascular disease, you know, all of these other things, people who are immunosuppressed, right? So how, do, how are they any different from pregnant women, mm-hmm. right? In fact, if it's going to potentially cause harm to a baby, then why is it not potentially going to cause harm to all of the people whose system is already overburdened mm-hmm. from years of some kind of chronic disease? Um, it's like they rightly acknowledge that, yeah, there's, there's potentially going to be some dangers, so we, we don't want people to do this. Um, but at the same time, they, they don't apply that logic to everyone. And in mm. fact, it's it's the most it's the most vulnerable and physiologically physiologically vulnerable, I would say, who are going to be getting it first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, at the very yeah, least, I'm- at least it gives uh, the ladies kind of an out. If it I was just going to say, Tim, you know we mean? can just say we're planning on having yeah. a baby in a couple yeah. months and we can't take it. <laughs> Good idea. Yeah. Good idea. Good idea, yeah. I'm really Never working on that. getting pregnant, so uh, sorry, can't take it. <laughs> Excuse me, but aren't you in your late 40s? Never mind. Nope. Never mind. Doesn't matter. In vitro. Nope. So, yeah, so it's obvious that since this was rushed out and I can't even say since this was rushed out because it doesn't really matter. I think I've brought this up before how long they test these vaccines. If they tested it for 10 years, it's still going to kill people. Mm-hmm. If they test it for a few months. It's still going to kill people. They're not vaccines are not proven safe or effective. And it's only by luck or the, uh, the mysteries and the, miraculous components of the human body that people just don't drop dead immediately after getting vaccinated. So yay for the immune system with that, but I'm still not willing to take my chances with this vaccine, seeing as how they have no idea, they can't even say, you know, what the effect on pregnant women would be, what the effect on a fetus would be. They can't say what the effect really of what the vaccine would be on really, really old people or, you know, they just don't know. They don't know with anybody. No, not they don't really. Know. You know, they've done a, you know, a few safety trials or something like that. But can they say with certainty that they know what's going on with it? No, of course. Yeah, not. 90%. Come on. <laughs> You're not yeah. buying it. <laughs> and every time again, I, saw... no, I was going to say the, the, the trials that they do it on are mostly healthy people as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And even like, you know, when something does happen, they say it wasn't the vaccine. <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with the vaccine. You're crazy. And they won't be we held liable anyway sure. because they have indemnity. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What a shit show. Yeah. Well, I guess we can kind of wrap this up. There was an article from the UNS Review. Or is it UNZ Review? Written by Mike Whitney. I always called it UNS. Reason. Yeah, reasons why, here's why you should skip the COVID vaccine. And there are plenty, but he lists four, but I figure we'd probably come up with some more. I know I have some in mind, but um, he says that there are some things, four things that the COVID vaccine will not do. The vaccine will not cure COVID, which the vaccine manufacturers themselves admit 
Uh, they all say that this is not going to prevent anyone from contracting COVID. Their definition of a successful vaccine is one that will decrease the symptoms of COVID. Mm -hmm. So if you are going to be in bed racked with muscle aches and, you know, chills and sweats, hopefully when you get the vaccine, you might just have a cough or some sniffles and then you'll get over it. Second thing is the, the vaccine, oh, he said the vaccine will not cure COVID. And then secondly, the vaccine will not prevent people from contracting COVID. The vaccine will not prevent COVID-related hospitalizations. The vaccine will not prevent COVID-caused deaths. deaths. <laughs> so my question what does it do is, again? with all of those things, uh, the COVID vaccine doesn't do any of those things. Why would any thinking person think that taking the COVID vaccine was a good idea? Like this yeah. is a really good bet or a good gamble that I'm going to take on my health. It's not going to prevent me from getting sick. It's not going to prevent me from passing COVID on to anybody else. It's not going to prevent me from dying. It's not going to prevent me from going to the hospital. So yeah, I'm going to take it because <laughs> why? Because <laughs> then you can get on an so airplane. I want yeah, and I want things to go back to normal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they won't. They're already saying you're still going to have to wear a mask. You're still going to be on lockdown. You're still going to social distance. Your yeah. business is still going to be closed down. So all of that. <laughs> yeah. Why would you take it? It's a very uh -huh. good question. <laughs> Dr. <Yeah>. Fauci. <laughs> <laughs> Just do what you're told. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's Fauci. Yeah, so vaccine shenanigans all around. This is going to be, like you said, Doug, a real big shit show when this stuff starts getting rolled out. And people can start seeing with their own eyes what is happening. Because really, if you turn your television off, you wouldn't know that there was anything going on. You wouldn't know there was a pandemic. It's like true. if there is something super deadly going around, you would know it. You yeah. don't have to have the TV tell you that something bad is happening. Well, people don't even know they have it unless they get a test. Yeah. It's like, what the hell kind of pandemic is that? <laughs> it's a PCR pandemic. <laughs> it's not a COVID pandemic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anybody have anything to add? Uh, I was just going to say that we are definitely getting banned. Yeah. So you're probably so, not going to see this on YouTube. Um, if you're watching this first, right now. The first lucky 20 viewers will. <laughs> the first lucky 20. <laughs> exactly. Get to watch it on YouTube. <laughs> Everybody else can check it on library.tv. LBRY.tv. Um and we might be on a couple of other platforms Bri too. Brighteon as well. Brighteon as well. So, so the biosecurity yeah. state show, what, it took an hour for it to get banned? Yeah. It hey, but, so, but Labor, it, it, uh, Library TV got it. Yeah, that, so we should one. take bets on how long this one will be up on YouTube <laughs> <laughs> before it gets taken down. Yeah. And the one who wins will get a free... Mug. Mug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's our show for today, folks. Um, I guess 
you know, people talk about, um, like they interview like people who object to certain vaccinations or point out that certain vaccines are dangerous. And they always kind of say, well, no, I'm not anti-vaccine. I just think that vaccines should be safer. And I just want to say I am anti-vaccine. <laughs> but it's up to everyone to do their own research, make your own decision. And it's your choice if you want to participate in this farce or not. Um, so that's our show. And we will see you next time with another show. And we may not be on YouTube next time. So we'll let you know. We'll be on library for sure. Okay, guys. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye.